This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. This is I Hate the Fins. I believe this is our 15th show with the Finsider Radio uh, Podcast Network. I always goof that up. Uh, yeah, we're with them though. In addition to the Finsider Radio show, they have us, of course. They also feature shows like The Blowhole. Those come out on specific days of the week throughout the week. Be sure to check all of them out. Of course, you're checking on us out. Thanks for tuning in. My name's Keith. I've got my co-host with me, Zach. We'll bring him on in a second. Um, so we're in addition to keeping these shows a little bit shorter. I have great news for everyone. We're going to try to do, what is it, uh, 13 picks for our mock draft tonight? We're going to do a, a mock draft. We loathe mock drafts here. We hate them so much. We hate them so much we're going to do one. So it's so emo. I'm looking forward to that. We can go ahead and just kind of take a peek at how if we were making the picks, and thank God we're not, I guess. Unless if, if it's the Dolphins pick, then I fully endorse what we do as um, a possibility for them. We'll take a look at ma- how the board shakes out. We'll make fun of a bunch of stuff. We'll come off like complete jags in the process, but I'm looking forward to it just because it is February. The combine will be here soon. So I feel like it's, you know, the Super Bowl's over. <clears throat> uh, an unfortunate result, but one I think most of us uh, expected. And I'll just kind of turn it around to topic time first. Uh, Zach, um, a silver lining is with the Patriots winning, the, the guy who was at least part of the uh, the show orchestrating that defense is now the Dolphins head coach officially. It's Brian Flores, which I mean, we waited for that for pretty much a month now. I mean, you think about what we were talking about could be Chris Richard, could be Darren Risenator, could be all these guys, and then. Early on in the playoffs, became clear that Chris Greer and company, their guy, the one they wanted, the one they felt was going to be the the guy to take this team out of the trenches of mediocrity and put them where they used to be, which is a winning franchise perennially, uh, they believe is Brian Flores. So here he is, officially named. Um, we got um, word that, you know, Patrick Graham is going to be the defensive coordinator. I believe Chad O'Shea is going to be the offensive coordinator. You got Jim Caldwell in a consulting role, pretty much. You got all these names in there. But just watching that game, I guess that all of that is to say, just watching that game last Sunday, how 
encouraged are you knowing that the guy who helped orchestrate that defensive effort, which let's be honest, if it weren't the Patriots doing that in the Super Bowl, I think people would be talking about it a lot more. I think the Patriots, um, the negative perception they have, let me, let's be honest. I mean, we, we help perpetuate that. Um, on this show, excuse me, not perpetuate, that's not what I meant, but on this show, so we are a part of that, but I think that if it had been a non-Patriots team, holding the the Rams on essentially, you know, synthetic turf indoors to three points is pretty unbelievable. So how do you feel about at least part of that show coming to coach the Miami Dolphins now? I think it's definitely encouraging, um, you know, for the, the last hurrah for Flores there in, in New England. Um, that's definitely what you want to see. Um, there's been a lot of stats that come out after that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not going to say that he's going to instantly come in here and change lives and make the defense, you know, a, a top 15, even top 10 defense. Um, a good chunk of the Super Bowl stoppage of the Rams was also Sean McVay, like, did not change his game plan at all. Um, they came out at halftime and, and kind of just did the same old thing. Um, you know, I, I was more impressed with Wade Phillips's defense, you know, shutting down the Pats. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a great defensive Super Bowl um, between Flores and, and Wade Phillips. Um, I don't think you could ask for any more if you're looking at defensive teams. Um, so it's definitely encouraging, but I'm not going to say he's going to be a, a defensive savior straight out the gate or anything. No, I mean, it is encouraging though. I think, cause I, I'd like to think that he had a, a good hand in that effort. And there was a lot of stuff that didn't make sense to me that may never come out. I mean, the Malcolm Butler still thing still hasn't come out from the previous Super Bowl, So who knows about some of the stuff, but I mean, Todd Gurley is obviously not right. Otherwise, I mean, we talked about on the, this podcast last week that, when healthy, LA's offense runs through that guy. I mean, he sets up everything. I mean, he he creates opportunities for them on play action. You know, in addition to be a great runner, uh, that that zone running game that they they have going on there. So there's something not right with him. And they showed I, I don't know how I I saw this clip, but they showed the players walking off the field off the after the game, and Todd Gurley didn't look right. I mean, there's something strange, and I can't put my finger on it. I don't know. But, I mean, so you'll have that. The fact that I thought Wade Phillips did do a good job outside of the fact that you knew they were going to go to uh, Julian Edelman. And Julian Edelman just absolutely killed them off the line of scrimmage. And you saw even when they're, like, Marcus Peters couldn't get a good jam on him to save his life. I mean, I the clips they showed where you had action going on at the line of scrimmage, I saw one where he just flat out whiffed just trying to get Edelman's chest before he was able to separate and it was for a big gain I think so I I don't know I there were certain things in there that I I thought early on Wade Phillips did a pretty decent job of getting to Tom Brady but it always seems the the pads make adjustments in the second half and they did and after that just seemed like things really slowed down for them and things got even more difficult for L.A. And, I mean, let's just be honest. Jared Goff looked very confused all day, said as much. New England threw a bunch of, um, you know, uh, movement uh, before the snap, uh, confusing him, really switching up their coverages and everything. So, um, unfortunately, if 
if you're not a Patriots hater and you watch and you were going into that game, a lot of the stuff that you expected to happen did happen, which is unfortunate when you're pulling against the New England Patriots. But as such as life, they they went to Disney World, uh, six championships now, all that, all that. Like we don't really have to get too much into that. But I I am excited to see what Brian Flores can do. I like him. I like the guys that he's bringing on the coaching staff. Um, I think it's going to be a, a strong crew right off the bat. I don't know what they're going to do in their first year because, I mean, you've heard all the, the tank talk and all that stuff. I guess we'll have a good or a better feel for what's going to happen when we see what they try to do in the draft. But, you know, to at, for starters, I like it. So, I mean, it's weird, though, because outside of that, I mean, you go, what else can you really talk about now? You go right to the draft. So <clears throat> we're trying to keep this show shorter. There's, they're easier to mix. We can throw them out there to you guys so you can go ahead and digest them. And they're not so much to take. I mean, I remember when I was doing Finsider Radio and we did shows that were 90 minutes. Yeah. Which I, at the time. I remember the hour and a half shows. Like, while they're great, if, if you're like on a car trip, like sometimes for work, I take, you know, two hour car trips each way. Those are fantastic. But like if you don't have that kind of time or you're not just squatting down somewhere, they they're tough. Yeah, I think part of the reason we went to those at the time is we had so many guests and we took a lot of time for callers and everything. So, I mean, like it did serve a purpose. It wasn't like we were just sitting there just trying to take up that much time. I mean, if anything, I was trying to kind of similar to the situation we have here. I was trying to end them shorter. And then I would look up and be like, oh, crap, we're already at the 75, 80 minute mark. So it's a lot easier to mix. It's a lot easier to get it out there when the show is a little bit shorter. So anyway, do you want to um, we loathe mock drafts? You want to do our first mock draft of of the year? You want to do a a co mock draft? Yeah, I mean, this one shouldn't be too bad. Um, We'll definitely go to 13. Um, I game planned up to, to 16 if we wanted to half mock it. Um, but whatever we end up getting to is fine. Um, you want to take odds? I'll do evens. Um, no, because I want to see who you're going to take the Dolphins pick. So you're not getting out of that one. I'm going to give you the odds. All right, then I see what the next time we'll we'll flip flop and I'll I'll put you through the pain of that. That's fine. That's okay. All right. Um, let's see. So, um. Yeah, so I yeah we can flip next time. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to find a, a list of prospects so I see if some of their work off of their interest. Try to yeah, I mean why not? Yeah, um, I don't know where my my big board's not coming up right now, but so wh- oh never mind. Yes, I do. I have my big board. We're there good. There you go. So so while you're kind of pulling that all together, um, obviously it starts off at the top with Arizona. Um, Arizona is in an interesting spot. Um, it seems like they have their their quarterback that they need. Um, they are kind of in that. I, I think the Dolphins will be in a similar spot minus the quarterback come draft time, potentially depending on how they work free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, if they really are shooting for 2020 Dolphins could clear house and they could draft anything at 13. Um, but you know, Arizona's got the pick of the litter here. Um, and the top three guys on my board are, um, defensive lineman or I guess you could say uh Josh Allen might be a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um most people have gone default Nick Bosa here, but honestly, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm taking the first pick here, I'm taking Quinn and Williams. Wow. Um 
And so it's, I, I think Quinn Williams, Nick Bosa is easily a one, a one B situation. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Quinn and Williams for the defense that they've been running, um, and they'll they'll probably look to keep running going into this year. I think he'll be more disruptive in a way that we saw the Rams ride all the way to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, they already have Chandler Jones, which provides a good presence on the edge. Um, but I mean, with Quinn and Williams commanding double teams, hopefully that allows uh, Robert Kandichi, um to to just be a three like one gap three tech shoot up in there you know essentially the sue to his Aaron Donald right. um so that's my logic there for going Quentin Williams you can make a very strong case that he's the best player in the draft so it makes sense he's going number one so that means well I mean that just makes the number two pick really easy then and I mean it's got to be I mean if you're if you're San Francisco and you're sitting there it's got to be Nick Bosa so. That's the easy. That's the easy. But does it? Does does he fit what they're trying to do there? Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about there. Yeah. If anything, it enables some of the because they've got some some square pegs and round holes right now with what they're trying to do because you've got some really impressive young guys. You got uh, DeForest Buckner, who's done Solomon Thomas. I think, um, they like him inside. I mean, there's also something where if you're if you're trying to go ahead and work that four three under. And you're trying to work some size into that, then if you're actually going to pull out a surprise five tech, then Solomon Thomas will get that for you. So I think that I think that John Lynch finds a way to make this work. I don't see him saying no to Nick Bosa, and I am considering a guy like John Lynch in there too. I think that this is absolutely the dude he'll take. Okay, fair enough. I I can live with that. Um, and then honestly, this makes. The pick for the Jets super well, easy I, for me I, to be can honest. I something though, because I'm just, yeah. just the way you asked that question. You think it's Josh Allen at that spot? I think there's there's a strong possibility there. Okay, um, I do too. Depending on because I think it depends on how people perceive Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen played a pretty typical four three kind of rush edge at Kentucky, but that's in college versus college guys. Right. Um, but honestly, I think Josh Allen is what everybody wanted out of um, Anthony Barr. Um, Anthony Barr was a little bit more of a, a 34 looking kind of guy than a 43 looking kind of guy. Um, but I think Josh Allen is everything you wanted from him. And I think you'll actually get it. Um, he's so, so that's the only thing too. that I, I think about. I that. don't think a lot of people really. Yeah, I think yeah. He, I mean, he's gonna come in around six five. I think he's gonna be like six four and six eighths inches. You know, I don't think he'll come in at that true six five. No, he'll be just under. Um, but he'll come in the taller side. Because I think yeah, I, he'll come in the taller side of six four. Because I think Barr is just over six four, right? And Barr started as a running back. Yep. At UCLA. Yeah, so. he he was recruited to UCLA as a running back. Yeah. Um, but that's why he runs like a freaking horse. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. So um, but since 49ers don't go Josh Allen in this this scenario, um, the Jets have to go Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Like we we've talked about before, their best pass rusher in the past decade was probably Calvin Pace, which is absurd. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's this is a guy where. I'm not a hundred percent sure what system 
um, base system technically the Jets are going to run. Thinking Greg Williams and what uh, Gase did in Miami, it, it's probably going to be a quote-unquote base 43. Uh, but like we've talked about before too, your your four two fives are more standard than anything. Um, you know, it, it's just hard to convert from, you know, uh, a decade and change probably of a pretty strict um, 34, maybe not a decade and change, but uh, they were pretty heavy 34, especially coming out of the, the Rex Ryan era. You know, he played real heavy 34. Um, but Josh Allen, I think, can play anything as long as you set him up with the pieces to be successful around him. And I think the Jets may actually have that besides for better corners. Okay. So I'm pretty sure it's Oakland at four. Um, and this mm-hmm. comes down to, in my opinion, two very simple premises for this team. Either they follow through on improving the pass rush that they lost when they traded Khalil Mack last uh, September, or they kind of go sleeper team here and they draft a quarterback because I don't know how tied they are to Derek Carr. And I mean, what's the old adage with, John Gruden, he never met a franchise quarterback he didn't like as long as the guy isn't currently on his roster. So, yeah. I mean, that's and that's true. I mean, if you follow his, his history in um, Ta- Oakland and Tampa and so forth. So, um, I'm going to play it safe here, though. And I think that they take a dude who's probably going to end up being one of the more, certainly the ex- most explosive pass rusher available. I think it's me, Clellan Farrell here. So, gotcha. I, I think that... Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'd love to just say that, you know, there's a surprise and they're going to take a quarterback. And I mean, honestly, I don't trust Oakland. I don't trust John Gruden. I don't trust their their uh, owner with this pumpkin pie haircut or any of that. Anything anything can go south with these guys in a hurry. But for now, we'll play it safe. And I think that they just take the best pass rusher available. I think there's an even safer pick there. Um, maybe there not as sexy. I know who are we on the same, but we're probably on the same page here. I think so. Yeah. Say, say, because once you say, I know we're on the same page. I think that, well, actually there's two players that I really like at that spot, depending on what, you know who I'm thinking of. Do I? You do. We've, we've talked about him a lot. We, we like his game a lot and he plays defense. You think Ed Oliver goes there? No, not at Oliver. I've, that's the only other uh, guy that I, I'm thinking that. Who, who's the other guy outside of Zach Allen that we've talked about that I really, really love on defense in this draft? Devin White. Not the sexiest position. Yeah, Devin White. Oh man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that I wasn't even thinking about Devin White in the top five. I just figured because we're such Ed Oliver fans that I was like, well, yeah, dude. But um, I just don't think Ed Oliver's sexy enough for John Gruden at that spot. But then again. Devin White is just the modern linebacker. And we'll get, I'm, I've already kind of looked at the board. I have a pretty good idea where he's going to fall here. But um, yeah, he is that. He would look good as a Raiders linebacker, but that would also be sickening to watch him play for them. Like, but couldn't you imagine them taking him at four, like having strong conviction of like, this is a guy, we love his game. He's a good leader. Like, he is going to be the the cornerstone guy that people look at on our defense at this point. Um, it's not sexy, and there'll be some people that are like, "What? They took a linebacker at four? Um, But then a lot of draft people, the moment this, that pick is made, will be like, "Well, that's a good pick because that's nice and safe." Blah 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 <laughs> blah. 
Like, can't you just feel that happening? Oh, yeah. Like, that's such cliche draft just BS. I'm surprised that you, you didn't go Ed Oliver there, too, because I think Ed Oliver uh, fills a big need for them, and then he does multiple things along the line of scrimmage for them. So... I'm just not confident they're smart enough to do what they need to do with him. And they already have um, Maurice Hurst, mm-hmm. um, which does some similar things to Ed Oliver. Um, I think if they're going to get a defensive tackle, um, they may roll the dice of the back end with one of their other two first round picks on a um, a Dexter Lawrence. That's another thing too. Just get so much more beef. I hope they don't get that. Just Lawrence. wait, but like, like imagine them drafting Devin White at four and then getting Dexter Lawrence somewhere in the back end of the first round. Like so up the middle for them would be Dexter Lawrence, Maurice Hurst, and Devin White. Like you can't ask for much better than that. But I would also flip it around and say if if they're counting on those late first round picks to go ahead and, and fill those kind of needs, then what keeps them from just shocking everyone and taking a quarterback here? Yeah, uh, no, I mean that's... That's totally fair. Um, I don't trust these guys. I mean, no, I, I, I you can't trust the Raiders at all. Um, <laughs> but let's stop talking about the Raiders. So, sure, sure. Tampa Bay. Um, I have three dudes on my my options here that I I've kind of pre prepped. Um, two of them feel really high. One of them really hinges on free agency. But I am gonna go with the one that hinges on free agency, and I'm gonna say they take uh, Christian Wilkins. Oh, from Clemson. Um, it's the McCoy replacement. There's, there's a ru- yeah, that's that's the rumor out there is that McCoy is uh, going to be on his way out, um, and I think Christian Wilkins comes in and gives you the same thing that McCoy used to give you when he was younger, um, but like I think he gives it to you with more athleticism. Um, so I, I think it's an easy swap in, swap out. Vita Vey and Christian Wilkins would be a really nice duo in the center there for Tampa Bay. Build build strong up the center. My sleeper at this spot is Rashawn Gary, by the way. I was kind of hoping that. Yeah, I I think I think come draft night, people are either going to be real high on Gary or like he's going to slide way further out than the the media people have him and all the like non-college football people will be like, "Well, why is that happening?" But if you go back and watch the Rashawn Gary tape from this year like Remember the conversation with uh, Jadavion Clowney where like, you know, his last year wasn't that good. Did he not put in that much effort? Like, that's the same thing that happened with Gary this year, but it was uglier because he's not as sexy of a built pass rusher. Yeah, and I mean, the argument right now is, is that dude someone you can kick inside in a 4-3 or is he someone who can play a legitimate edge? So, I mean, you're going to have people arguing about yeah, that. I, I, I mean, you know, until they're blue in the face for the next, what, two and a half months? So, yeah, I mean, he is going to get drafted by a defensive coordinator more than he will get drafted by, you know, a person from the personnel department, because at the end of the day, the person that's going to say, you know, bang the table for Rashawn Gary is a defensive coordinator that says, I can get these things out of him um, that we need to get out of him and he'll blossom and he'll, you know, skyrocket. Um, So we'll see. He's going to be a draft day guy that I don't think anybody's going to be able to nail down until the pick yeah. actually you comes think, in. Um, I mean, obviously he's not even the pick here, so we're just kind of talking hypotheticals, even though it's a mock draft, so it's all hypothetical. But you think Todd, he's the kind of player that Todd Bowles would advocate for? Mm, maybe. Um, I think 
Todd may feel a little burned by the perpetual inside-out kind of Leonard uh, Williams, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, um, <laughs> Sheldon, Richardson. whatever his name is, um, guys from from the Jets. Yeah, Richardson. Um, those Jets guys, like the Jets perpetually drafted five tech kind of interior linemen, and they all looked great out the gate, and just the star just burnt out Dude. real quick. All right. Um, all right, so I've got the sixth pick. So you took... Um... Okay, so I've got Will. So so far we have, yeah. So far we have Quinton Williams at one, Nick Bosa at two, Josh Allen at three. Oakland went Clell and Farrell, and Tampa Bay cool. went I Christian like Wilkins pick. at five. Uh, so New York number six, and I do think they take the quarterback this year. It's kind of a cliched thing to say. I do think they take Dwayne Haskins. Real shocker, I know, but that's what I, what I. <clears throat> I don't think outside. I will say that you're the only one who's really gone um, against the against the um, grain off script, whatever stupid cliche you want to use right now with the Wilkins pick. But I like that one. I think that's a strong move. So, um, uh, the other the one guy that I've been looking at there for the Giants, if they um, if they kind of they mm-hmm. may throw in the towel for 2022, um. There's a lot of teams where we talk about that for the Dolphins, but there may be a lot of teams that just say, like, let's just make it through one more year because we're iffy on the top guy here. Top two guys, maybe, between Haskins and um, Kyler Murray. But, like, next year, as long as we're in the top 10, we'll have our choice of Tua, Herbert, from and maybe even Eason if he does a one and done it at Washington. Um, You know, there's a chance that, Ellinger comes out, and if he has a, another year where he takes more steps, he could be a first-round guy. Um, the the real sleeper guy in 2020 is uh, Love from Utah State. He had a great year this year. Um, so, like, next year, the it looks so much of a better prospect pool. So I think there's a chance that if Ed Oliver kind of puts together a uh, the process, the way the process should happen leading up to the draft, Keep an eye on the Giants making that pick because they need all sorts of defensive line help, and he could, you know, make yep. a difference up and down there. Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Um, so my options were set up for Dwayne Haskins or just like straight up BPA here. Um, so for the Jags, without doing a whole bunch of searching um, for what they need. I am going to say, hmm, they don't, they don't need defensive line help. They're, they're kind of, it's weird. The, the Jags roster is they a good-looking roster. They have all the defensive tackles right now. It's literally all of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's insane, which is crazy. Um, let's, let's have this quick conversation. Okay. Do you think that the Jags truly move Jalen Ramsey? It's got to be up for consideration. I think that that's totally something that Tom Coughlin thinks of, especially if you're getting a huge return off it. But it does have to be sizable because, I mean, all the baggage aside, the guy's still a top three cornerback in the league, top four when he's playing well. The only thing is he didn't look very good this year outside of a couple of games. Let's go way off the path here. Do you think there could be a real crazy scenario where there is some sort of 
um, Jalen Ramsey and one of their betterish young receivers swapped for um, AB and Artie Burns. Oh man, which receiver? Right? Which receiver are they moving? Chark. I, I mean, one of the they have a couple good young guys. Um, you know, Jerry's not wholly out, but at the same time, you don't know if you're getting a quality piece. Where Artie Burns obviously needs a, a new set of scenery behind yeah. him. Um, but he was always a raw guy, even coming out of Miami, you know? And I mean, like he showed some yeah. glimpses that first year, but for the most part, just it seems to be a sputtering effort where he does some good things, but he's also a guy that uh, offenses, when they know what they're doing, are going to target. So, But at the same time, Pittsburgh is where defensive backs get drafted and go to die. Mm-hmm. So... Yes. So, but we we don't have to hit that. But so I I need to make a pick here. Um, my pick here, it's not a sexy pick, um, but it'll give them some stability going into next year's draft as well, or later in this draft. I'm gonna say they take Jonah Williams. Okay. All right. Huh. Well, I mean, if you think about it, because. Cam Robinson got hurt, and then we don't know where jo- Jonah Williams, if he's going to play right tackle. Uh, the book on him right now is people think his arm's going to be too short to hold it down at left tackle in the NFL. You know, does he go inside? They just they have a lot of money allocated to the interior offensive line um, for that team. So that's interesting. But at the same time, also, in my opinion, a Tom Coughlin pick. So, yep. I like that it too. I think that's that's good. That's I mean, it's not too out of the way. I think that that's that guy should be a strong consideration for them at that spot, provided the quarterback they do not want or the quarterback they want isn't on the board, which may happen, may not happen. And then, as you mentioned, yeah, and and, and I mean, like, I, I don't understand. What, like, I don't love Jonah Williams. Do I think he's the top offensive tackle in in most drafts? Probably not. Um, but I like him just a hair behind, um, what's his name from, uh, Notre Dame last year. Yeah. Um, uh, McGlinchey, uh, McGlinch beast. We had a really good year. Um, I, I liked him a lot. Yeah. And he had a great year at right tackle. Um, and at some point he will take over left tackle duties in San Francisco, probably like 40 years from now, but, um, eventually he will probably take over that spot. And, and I, I would take Jonah Williams just behind him in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got Detroit, don't I? Mm-hmm. Detroit. Yeah, yeah, Detroit's an interesting one. They need help at pass rusher because their best guy is also Ezekiel Anza. We don't know what's going to happen with him. He's hurt. Um, I always make the joke that they always take the second best um, Alabama uh, interior defensive lineman every year. Like they always <laughs> end up with like Ashawn Robinson and Deshaun Hand. So, so you're gonna take Isaiah Bugs here? Not, Is that what you're gonna do? Um, I think they need <laughs> to find like the ideal complement opposite Darius Slay. So I'm gonna take Greedy here. Okay, I, ha- I had him as my like third option here. That's okay. that's not a bad pick at all. Also interested to. I mean, you can go ahead and tell, um, me, tell oh, me who your guys are so here. Do you think this is an Oliver spot? Well, I think that's an ideal 
spot for Clellan Farrell, to be oh, honest. If he doesn't go in a spot 100%. like you picked him at, um, I think that's like yeah. prime territory. If Clellan territory. Farrell's on the board um, when he gets to the spot but, he's but at, so, like, it takes about two yeah. seconds for that that card to get handed in, in my opinion. I imagine that he's got to be Detroit's number one or number two guy on the board. Yeah, so so my question for you there, Pick and Greedy, I think it's going to be you know, kind of dealer's choice when it comes to the the top three corners. I think the top three corners for most people are are Greedy, um, Baker from Georgia, and um, Byron yeah. Murphy from Washington. Um, I think it's it's what skill set are you looking for? And what for Greedy Williams made you take him over I the other people? The length is going to appeal to Detroit. I think Darius Slayer rolls at about, what, six foot? Gotcha. Um, yeah, if not six one. Yeah, six foot six one. Greedy. I don't think Greedy's going to come in at six three, but I do think he's going to have a, a, a SEC corners coming in way below their their listed height. That's never happened. Remember uh, Drake Kirkpatrick? <laughs> yeah, he was, he was like six like, eight. He was like six three, and then I don't think he even came in at six one at the combine. And the weird thing is, or I think he's right at six one. Um, which I mean, I'm not knocking that height because I mean that's you know, not that much shorter than I am, but, um, they talked about how long his arms were and the kind of length that he was going to bring for teams that were interested in getting a guy who can press at the next level. And then his arms are shorter than mine. Yeah. And I do not have, I do not boast in a, a formidable wingspan here. So, I mean, there's just all kinds of, of fraud going on with that one. I do think all things considered, um, DeAndre Baker would be an option for them too, and honestly, Byron Murphy. But I think that those mm-hmm. are guys you can get if you trade down a little bit, like a couple of picks, and depending on they're in a an ideal spot there because if you want to jump Denver for a quarterback, this could be a spot. Oh to yeah, do for it. sure. That's that's definitely so, a great spot to do it. Um, um, and Buffalo's sitting in a good spot for that too if they want to accumulate yeah, some more picks. Right. Yeah. So I mean, this is where you you can become a bit of an opportunist in terms of um, seeing who, who wants to go after that, that quarterback. But for right now, I think that I give Greedy the slight edge, but I do think that um, Byron Murphy and uh, DeAndre Baker are both guys who could totally uh, kick ass opposite Darius Slay in this defense. And Darius Slay, um, underrated, has been a really, really good player for them. So I think that if you mentioned Clone Farrell, Clone Farrell is absolutely the pick here. If he's available, there is that is a slam dunk, in my opinion. And he could very well get here because we're we don't I mean, Elda Oliver is still on the board. Yeah, you know, it could very well Not be that long, he's though. the guy who goes. Oh, I see what you did there. That's called foreshadowing. So let's just <laughs> let's get to it. So so since I, I tipped my my pick here, um, you know, going back to the early 2000 teens of, of draftage with Twitter, um, the, the bills here. I had on my board my my top three guys for the Bills here were Christian Wilkins, Jonah Williams, because they need a ton of offensive line help. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I had Rashawn Gary, but I didn't really expect Ed Oliver to make it here with how much we like him. Um, but at right. that point, you know they have uh, Sarla Tulele and they have um, uh, Harrison Phillips that they just drafted. Both really good interior guys, but more run stuffers. Um, Harrison Phillips may get you some some pocket push, but not not as much as you'd like. Um, so Ed Oliver's a guy that 
I think, again, you can play him all over. Depends on what his comfort weight is at. Um, if he's closer to mid to upper 280s, play him as a, a one-gap three-tech all you want. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that's also a coaching staff that if they can figure out a guy, it would hopefully be them. Yeah. Interesting. So that's your pick? Yep. Good stuff. We just mentioned Denver. Here is Denver. Uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. I do believe that John L.A. probably sees a lot of himself in Drew Locke. And I think that uh, John L.A. is egotistical enough to try to make this happen and think like, well, he looks like me. He throws a little bit like me. So obviously he's going to play like me. So here we go. Drew Locke is a Denver Bronco. Um, another place that I think they could go if if that's all BS um, is I think they could go after a corner here too, um, especially if for some reason Greedy doesn't go top 10 um, and they have that 10th pick there and they have kind of pick of the litter because they're, they're scheduled to lose um, Roby. Um, and then the only other corner they technically right. have – yeah, uh, the only corner they have left then is is Harris, which is great. But like, let's be honest, Harris is a like a an all pro nickel. Um, he yeah. can get it done on the outside, but you need somebody else out there. So if they don't go Drew Lock, I think they may go corner there, especially if they have pick of all three. Um, can you imagine if Denver, Denver skips to the quarterback position again this year? Yeah, I mean, so I mean that's the thing. People like, are I mean, probably going to say the same thing about. That. People are going to say the same thing about Miami, though. You know, oh, the Dolphins yeah. skipped a quarterback last year, and then if they skip again, like, you know, people will have the same conversation there. I think the the only reason you're not hearing it more is because Bradley Chubb was just so stupid good. Oh yeah, for them last year that I mean that gets them off the hook. So I don't know, but um, for now, I think that is the pick. But the important thing is, lucky you, you get to pick for Cincinnati. Yeah, I just I just ran this card to the podium all the way in Nashville from uh, Baltimore here. Like Kevin White <laughs> is the pick all day. Yeah, he's the pick. Every day here. Um, I think that's probably, you know, that, that one year where it was uh, Mark Ingram to the Dolphins from day one till prior the night prior to the draft. Um, you're probably going to see Devin White locked in at 11 as the worst case scenario. Yeah, I can see it happening. So, all right, so much fun. Ooh, okay. Uh, I got Green Bay at 12. So, the one thing I've seen in terms of the popular pick here is uh, Jakai Polite. Ooh, and I, I could certainly see that but i think that if they go with the pass rusher here um i think they go montez sweat yeah you think they go sweat yeah i I can get on board with that i can respect that i think so Um, i think i think they're gonna like the uh the length that he brings i mean because i like i like jakai polite a lot he was one of my favorite players in college football last year i think he comes in heavier than um sweat right now but i think that um i think he's only listed six two so i think mm-hmm. if you're if you're looking for a little bit more length from your pass rusher i think they're gonna they're gonna be interested in what a guy like montez sweat can do for them in that uh that is technically it's like a base three four now but i mean they do a lot of you 
um, running off two to two down line and all that good stuff. So, but they need they need something there because Clay Matthews really isn't the guy anymore. And I mean, Nick Perry yeah. is it was always the complimentary guy. And they've got strong players in that defense in the front seven now because I mean, Kenny Clark's been outstanding. You know, we were highly complimentary of some of the other guys that they've got in there at this point. But, you know, Martinez especially. Like, Blake Martinez is probably one of my favorite players in the league right now. I love that guy. So, and I hate the Packers. So. Before we hit the Dolphins pick here, um, I will tell you that Ja'Kai Polite is the one dude that we are not going to agree on this year. Um, I know. I know that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he reminds me of... Charles Harris um and my my Charles Harris fandom is well documented um I'd like to think but um I will tell you there's a different end that I even have above sweat at this point do you know who it is how much of uh, how much are you bringing him up on your board um I think him him and um Sweat are pretty closely linked um, because of very slight differences. Um, but he also plays in Florida at a school that you're probably not a big fan of. Oh, Brian Burns. Yeah, I, I really like Black Brian Burns. I went back and I hit his tape. I think the thing that the only thing that's really going to scare people is that he's listed at, you know, 235 or something like that. But honestly, if he comes into the combine at like 242 or like low 240s, I think he's like a poor man's Josh Allen. I think he can give you all the same stuff. And to be 100% honest, I think his pass rush skills and the the tools that he has with his hands especially are better than Josh Allen's. I think Josh Allen's the crazier athlete though. Yeah, I would say that Brian Burns' first step is about as good as it gets. So um yeah yeah but brian burns also has like a crazy repertoire of counters like his spin move is ridiculous and like the crazy thing is is he doesn't just like i'm gonna hit the spin it's like he has a really nice setup outside step that he gets you leaning in the wrong direction and then he hits you with that like open arm spin move that just leaves you falling flat on your face um so (laughs) With that said, um, Brian Burns is definitely in consideration here for yeah, me, for the I, Dolphins. Oh, um, really? So you're just, I mean, we're going down to the Dolphins because I was going to say that I've seen a couple of mocks where they did have Brian Burns going to Green Bay. Yeah, and that's where, that's if I was Green Bay, I think I would go Burns over Sweat because I think he has better stand-up kind of rusher potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Sweat's got a better... Anchor, um, even though Burns holds his own in the run game, um, but you know he is a little bit more slight. Um, so I, Burns is definitely in consideration here. Um, and then there's a really unsexy pick here that we would love, that everybody else on the face of the earth as a Dolphins fan will say it's like Reach City and not sexy at all. Um, but I love him. So I, I'm going to do it. Let's go unsexy now so we can get hopefully maybe sexier in the future and then come back to unsexy the night before the draft. Sure. I'm taking Dalton Risner here, oh. and I don't even remotely care. <laughs> oh, man. If more people listen to this show, they'd hate you. But, I mean, that's a great pick. He had an, he oh, had an 
excellent senior bowl week. So, and like he's had an excellent career down there at K State, like, and he's he's played everything. Um, you know, he he he's a guy where people get are talking about like what's his interior capability? Is he a guard or a center at the next level? And we kind of had, I don't know if, I think we had this discussion off air. It was a back end Twitter yeah. thing. Um, but like, I think we're going to have the conversation as the draft gets closer. Um, you know, one, it's going to be, is Jawan Taylor the second best or top tackle? But then after that, um, I don't think Greg Little's ever going to really rise further than maybe top 20, maybe like 25 to like 32 area. Um but like Dalton Risner gives you the ability, you know, if you need a center, he's going to be a great center. He's a real smart dude. Um, I recently found out doing some research on him that he has a background in sports writing himself. Um, and he also is part of uh, a foundation called Rise Up um, that does a lot of good community work, too. So he's like a really good dude and a really smart dude on top of it. So you want him to play center? Fine. He'll make all your calls, your protections. He'll be your anchor on the inside. You know, you need a, a solid right tackle that's that's going to pass block and, you know, push in the run game. Put him at right tackle. Your left tackle goes down. You know what? We have an emergency guy ready to go. Dalton Risner can do it. Um, you know, and I just think that flexibility on top of an, you know, uh, an A worst case scenario quality career at K-State is going to be everything teams want. You think he goes before Andre Dillard just in terms of offensive linemen? That's a tough one because, you know, I like Andre Dillard. I think he's as pure of a pass blocker as you're going to see. Um, but I don't think he generates anything in the run game because right. he didn't have to his whole time mm-hmm. at, at Wazoo. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, do I think he can block well enough in the run game to get the job done? Yeah, but he he's not pushing anybody off the line. He's going to lock him up and pray he doesn't <laughs> get called for a hold. Um which 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 isn't wrong, you know. If you can get your hands on him and and get him inside, like you, people let you do that day in and day out. Um, so, I th- I think I think at the end of the day, Dalton Risner will go ahead of Dillard simply because he is more versatile and gives you more options. Um, and one thing we've talked about that the Pats look for, and you know, Brian Flores has even said in part of his pressers and stuff, is that he wants guys that can play multiple and guys that are smart dudes. So Risner checks off every one of those boxes and prepares you to draft a quarterback in mm-hmm. 2020. I'm disappointed you didn't take Daniel Jones personally. <laughs> and also I kind of thought you were going to go Zach Allen at this spot. I thought when you were talking about just totally unsexy, I was like, Oh man, he's going to do it. Yeah, no, no. As much as I'd love to do Zach Allen here. Um, I think you know, at the end of the day, we probably love Zach Allen a little bit more um, than most people in the first place. And I don't know if teams are going to see him as as much of a pass rusher as people like to sell him on. Right. Um, so at the end of the day, I think there may be a real wild chance that Miami may have even a shot at him in the second round. Yeah. As much as that hurts to say, um, I think he's a guy that we may be real high on. Um, he's not a guy that you'll have 14th on your board and then he'll go in the fifth round and become an all pro corner or anything. Right. Um, but, but Zach Allen, there's a chance he's in round two. All right. You good for tonight? We can, uh, next time we revisit this, we should do like a three round or something. 
So we'll just. Yeah, I mean, I mean, next time we do this, we can even do a like a, a dolphin specific deeper draft. Yeah, that's um, what I was. Thinking. You know, people like to see those for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and call for tonight because we've already gone over our usual time. So for Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for tuning in to I Hate the Fins, episode 15. We'll be back next week. We'll have more draft talk. That's what it's going to be primarily. Mixed in with some free agency. Hopefully that, that's not um, much for the Dolphins' plans this year. I think I speak for a lot of uh, Miami Dolphins fans when I say that. So um, like I said, for Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for tuning in. We'll go ahead and we'll see you next week. Have a great night. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.